Praise the Lord, hope well. Oh, you're sleeping, I see. Praise the Lord, hope well. Can we give God glory on this morning? Come on, can you open up and give God a praise that'll go outside of your mask? I know you're being safe, but any saved folks in the room that can send up a shout unto heaven? Come on, can you open up your mouth and give God glory? Come on, can you give God praise right now? Come on, I know it's, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. Come on, can we give God glory? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. And now, God, we ask that you would just word our mouths. Give us what to say and how to say it. We thank you for another opportunity to come back home to Hopewell. Thank you right now, God, for what you're doing in this house. Thank you for the leader of this house. Thank you for these, your people who support vision. Right now, God, we ask that you would just touch us right now. We've studied and we've prepared, but Lord, we need you to breathe on that which we'll share. Save, heal, and deliver on today. And we'll be so very careful to give you all of the glory, all of the honor, and all of the praise. In the matchless name of Jesus, let every glad heart say thank God. Amen. On your way to your seat, would you put hands together and give God praise one more time? We do honor God for an opportunity just to stand before you one more time. I'm always blessed and honored to stand here in the house of Hopewell Missionary Baptist Church. You already know you're a part of my family. I, I've grown up in a real sense here at Hopewell. I praise God, even Mama Rita, even when I wasn't playing here, I always knew of a Hopewell. And then when time allowed for us to serve, it became a home away from home. And so I thank God for you here at Hopewell. I praise God for your pastor, my friend, Pastor Christopher E. Swim. Would you put your hands together for Pastor Chris? Come on, you can do better than that. You've got an awesome pastor. Whether you know it or not, you have a marvelous leader. You have an awesome leader. And if he's watching wherever he is on a beach somewhere, praise the Lord, wherever he may be, we praise God for him. I was a little, little perturbed with him. I'll just be honest. I spoke with him yesterday. I said, I got a bone to pick with you, brother. I said, this is the second year in a row that you had me come and preach behind Pastor Reynaldo Henderson. I said, that ain't cool. I said, I thought we was good, but praise the Lord. Anybody who preaches know that you just don't want to preach behind a Reynaldo Henderson. That is a giant in the kingdom, but we praise God for Pastor Christopher Swims, and we praise God for his lady, Lady Brittany. Would you put your hands together for Brittany Swims, my sis, who's somewhere right now probably in a red sundress. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Repping her DST. Praise the Lord. We praise God for them. We praise God for Zion Temple that came to be with us on today. I praise God for my mother, Eugenia Robinson. Praise the Lord for her. Praise God for Mama Barry, one of my golden girls that came to be with us today. We praise God for this praise team who came to be with us. We praise God. For them and I can't leave out my wife. I praise God for my queen, for Lady Neil Fonji. Would you put your hands together for her? No, I said, would you put your hands together for my wife? There, there go. All right. 
We praise God for each and every one of you. We're not going to labor the time. If you have your Bibles, I would that you would go with me quickly to the book of 2 Kings. 2 Kings, we're going to look at the fourth chapter, verses 1 through 7. And I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. And if it's your custom to stand for the word, then do so. If not, God bless. Second Kings chapter 4, verse 1 through 7. It reads, One day the widow of a member of a group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served with you is now dead. Now you know he feared the Lord, but now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. Wow, what can I do to help you? Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all except a flask of oil, she replied. And Elisha said, well, go borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour the olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it's filled. So she did as she was told, and her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after the other. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. Then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, Now sell the olive oil and pay your debts and you and your sons can live on what is left over. I would that you would pray with me, Kirk, from a peculiar topic. I haven't lost it, but pray for your friend. Pray with me on the topic, doing something strange for change. Look at somebody and tell them, we're doing something strange for change. Look at y'all, look at y'all looking at me. We're going to be all right. If you were to go and look up, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you were to go and look up that word strange, you would probably see that it's defined as something that's unusual or surprising, something that's done in an often unsettling way, or it's something that hasn't been seen or done before. There's a particular Netflix series out entitled Stranger Things. I'll admit to you, I'm not the biggest fan of it, Candace. I'm not one that watches it, but I do know enough about it that it's about a group of young friends who witness supernatural forces and secret governmental exploits. And while searching for answers, they unravel extraordinary mysteries. For the older crowd, it's simply Scooby-Doo 2.0. Stranger things. Somebody say stranger things. I don't know if you've been paying attention or not, but it would appear as if stranger things have been taking place around here lately. It was strange that $50 used to be able to fill up a gas tank, but now it just tickles the gas tank. It's strange that 
Bill Cosby's age of 85 doesn't seem to matter when it is that he's facing charges, but Carolyn Bryant, who is Emmett Till's liar, seems like her age does matter. Strange. It's strange when it seems like we're living in a society where folks are choosing to be side dishes instead of main courses. It's strange when it is that young folks choose to wear hoodies in 95 degree weather. Strange when it is that parenting skills are questioned when it's a dead black boy, but nobody seems to ask where was the parents when it's a white mass murderer. Strange that cops seem to fear unarmed black boys more than they do mass murdering white boys. It's strange that 60 bullets can enter into an unarmed black boy while perks run away from a murderous white boy. It, it, it's strange that 77 minutes can pass before a Uvalde police department will act but while babies are being slaughtered. It's strange that while Black Lives Matter were being clapped back by patriots who claim that Blue Lives Matter, it's strange that Blue Lives don't seem to matter when patriots are angry with them on January 6th. It's strange that looting and rioting is cool on January 6th but not when black folks are at the Capitol. It's strange that subpoenas work for you and me, but not for Trump supporters. It's strange that Trump can lie and break all type of laws, but be left alone. Strange that Clarence Thomas is still a Supreme Court justice when we know what his wife has been up to. Strange that the same folks who are against a woman's right to choose in the, what she does with her body. Strange that they're the loudest persons talking about, I won't wear a mask because you can't tell me what to do with my bodies. Strange that folks that are still getting locked up for marijuana while ex-congressmen are making millions off of weed. Today, strange that Brittany Griner is locked up in a Russian prison right now. Strange that she had to go over there in the first place to make more money when her male counterparts are making hundreds of millions of dollars. Somebody say strange. It's strange things that are popping off and Mother Bertley admittedly when the Lord gave me this topic to present I wrestled with this because I didn't think too many persons would hear me adequately the reason I didn't think it'd be received initially because the topic could conjure up thoughts from the street you understand when you hear somebody talking about doing something strange for change you have your images that are evoked in your mind. Doing something strange for change evokes images of church girls stripping to make tuition. Young men trapping for a new car. Doing something strange for change evokes images of the sugar daddy challenge to pay rent. Doing something strange for change evokes, evokes images of entanglements with a cougar. Doing something strange for change evokes images of snatching souls to make ends meet. Uh, exhibiting throat goat skills. You understand, doing something strange for change evokes various images of people engaging in things that they know better than doing. Somebody say something strange. Oh, no, okay. That's, it's going to be this type of crowd today. I hope, well, we are, why we got to go through this every time? Y'all looking at me like y'all don't know nothing about what I'm talking about. Come on, don't play with me. Come on, I'm at home. We family now. Anybody know anything about doing something strange? I 
know it's probably your neighbor, really you. Uh, understand, understand that it's not, it's not just the people out in the streets now. Some of the folks in the church got memories of doing something strange for change. Come on, don't play with your boy. Understand, you've dated something strange. You, you've lived with something strange. You've made kids with something strange. You've cried over something strange. You done keyed somebody's car over something strange. You bust the windows out somebody's car for something strange. You might be the strange thing. Uh, don't play with me. Let me go and get to my text, Kirk, because they're trying to be frozen on your boy. In this second book of Elijah, first second book of Kings, there have been some strange things taking place. Elijah's confronted a dying king. Is there no God in Israel? He let him know you're about to lose your job. He let him know you're about to you're about to go home to see somebody, whether she'll make or not. He goes and he confronts this king. And then the Bible records that there's a king that sends 50 men to go and get Elijah to go and wrangle him up and bring him in. And they show up at his place and says, Elijah, your time is up. You got to come with us. The Bible records that Elijah was sitting on top of his house and he said, I don't think so. And he shot down fire from heaven and burnt all them up. Praise the Lord. And so King got word of what took place. So he sent another 50 brothers to go and wrangle him up. And the Bible records that Elijah was still in the same place. And they said, listen, I know, I know you don't want to come in, but you're going to have to come in today. King, won't you? The Bible says that Elijah was like, nope, burnt them up too. And so the King sent one more company to go and wrangle him up. And this time, this particular brother heard what happened to the former two crews. And so he went up with his hat in his hand and said, uh, Mr. Elijah, uh, sir, um, if you don't mind, listen, I got a job to do. The king has asked me to come and bring you back to him. Bro, listen, I got a family. Come on, don't do to me what you did to them. Would you come and meet the king? And the Bible says that the Lord told him it's okay to go with him. And so he goes back with him. And the king says, is that you, Elijah, you troubler of Israel? And it was at that point in time that Elijah says, okay, I've had enough. We about to put this thing to bed. He said, you get your best prophets and you go and you get all of your best, your best boys and we're going to have one showdown and we're going to prove who is the one true and living God. And so the Bible records a thing. He says, whoever God answers by fire, that's the real God. And so the Bible records that those prophets go, they go and they build their altar and they begin to go and cry out to their God. They begin to cry out. They began to go and signal him and try to get his attention. And after several hours of it not working, Elijah turned into the petty prophet. He began to go and taunt and tease them. He said, call him louder. He said, perhaps he's on break. You know, he doesn't answer calls he doesn't recognize. He said, he said, he said, text him. He doesn't, he, he doesn't like to answer calls before noon. He says, go and call him louder. And the Bible says they began cutting on themselves, screaming so that he will go and answer them. And after a little more time, Elijah said, enough of this. He said, y'all move. Get out the way. He goes and he builds up his altar and he has persons pour buckets of water on his sacrifice. And before he does anything else, he begins to pray. He says, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, this day, let it be known that I am your servant and that you are God. And it was at that point in time the Bible records that fire came and licked up the sacrifice and the water that was poured on it. Elijah had all of those 
false prophets put to death and he'd had a good day until he heard that Jezebel was looking for him and now he's on the run and he is finding himself suicidal wanting to die and God tries to refresh him God tries to get him to snap out of it but he continues to clap back at God and say how could you let something like this happen to me when I am the only prophet that you got left and so it was at that point in time that God I'm just giving you a quick backstory he goes and he tells Elijah he says get up and go anoint your replacement because apparently this is too much for you and so the Bible records that Elijah has now in he's anointed Elisha Elisha and so the Bible states that Elisha is traveling with Elijah and now it's time for Elijah to die time for him to die he's carried off into a whirlwind and now Elisha is now the new presiding I'm sorry the new leader praise the Lord and so the Bible records that Elisha goes and does various various things to go and show that the anointing was on him and so now Elisha encounters this widow of a pastor who's recently died from COVID This pastor's died from COVID and the church didn't provide insurance for her. So now she's got to move out the parsonage. She tells the prophet, my husband served with you. He exhausted himself for this place. I served with him. Now he's dead and I don't have anything to show for it. And to make matters worse, Dre, they're coming to get my boys to pay his debts to put him in prison. Elisha heard what she had to say, and he said, man, that's messed up. He says, I, I, I don't know what I can do. I, I'm not sure how I can help you with this. Let me pause right there to just let it be understood. I understand that we have great confidence in the man of God, but every now and then there will be a moment in time when even the man of God doesn't know what to do. Look at how y'all just dropped. Uh, there'll be a moment in time when it is that your pastor, your preacher may not know what to do initially when chaos hits. You understand that when COVID arrived, saints were looking to the preacher when the preacher was like, I don't know. When it first hit and folks were dropping like flies, we were looking at folks wondering what was going on too. Deacon Ben, we was holding our breath too like, hmm. I don't want to get it. I understand we didn't know what to do in the immediacy of it. But after we had been in it for a little while, God began to speak. She presented this problem to, to the man of God. And initially he didn't know what to do. But then finally he says, what do you have in your house? Look at a neighbor and tell him, go check the house. Come on, you didn't like that neighbor. Find another neighbor and say, go check the house. I'm, I'm finding out, Elder Woody, that sometimes we get so fixated on what we don't have that we fail to realize what we do have. Can I tell somebody something right quick, Greta? Sometimes we need to stop complaining and determine what we got left. Ask yourself, what do I have left? Understand that after the restrictions were lifted and after we were able to come back outside, we had to go and assess what we had left pastors had to go and assess what they had left after a two-year hiatus of just being virtual when they opened up the doors of the church they had to go and determine what they had left understand that when saints still chose to stay home from church because they're afraid of catching something but we still see their instagram in on planes and at vacations they had to go and determine what they had left 
I came to ask somebody today, what do you have left after the divorce? What do you have left after the layoff? What do you have left after your idea fails? After the bills are mounting up? After the business crumbles? Somebody say, what do you have left? This is what she said. He says, what do you have left? She says, all I have is a flask. All I have is a little oil left. Anybody that needs to know what a flask is, a flask is simply a small metal container, a small container. We're used to seeing those flasks when we see winos. You understand, you see the winos taking a nip to keep warm, and I'll just keep it at winos, you know. I'll use that as a point of reference when it might be some of us here. Uh, we use it, the winos, they, they, somebody else or somebody else, they use it as, as a little something to go and take the edge off. She says, all I have is this flask, this, I just have this flask flask of oil. She thought what she had was insignificant because it was a little. But understand that's all she needed. Because as long as I got some oil left. Oh you missed what I said. As long as I got some oil left. I'm good. Look at somebody say as long as I got some oil left. I'm good. Because the truth of the matter is some of us are unknowingly losing our oil. Some of us have an undetected oil leak that's hemorrhaging that which is needed. You understand you need your oil. Oil is used for cleaning. It's used for restoration. It's used for heating and lighting. It's used for the anointing. Somebody say, I need my oil. Uh, you, you, you remember the Tin Man, don't you, from the Wizard of Oz, or, or perhaps you prefer the Wiz, but you remember the Tin Man, don't you? The Tin Man was great, but when he was low on oil, he began to stiffen up. He, he began to not be able to operate with his accustomed dexterity. He lost mobility and became virtually useless without any oil. Come here, Tin Man. I came to come and just let you know that you're starting to show wear and tear. You're starting to show leakage because you're starting to stiffen up. You're not operating with the same dexterity. You're losing mobility and you're becoming virtually useless without your oil. Somebody say, I need my oil. I want to live an oily life. <laughs> Anybody want to live an oily life? Don't play with it. Anybody want to live an oily life on the date? Understand, I want to live an oily life. Elder Young, I want to live an oily life, not a greasy life. You understand there's a difference between an oily life and a greasy life. Understand there's a difference between oil and grease. Grease is oil, but oil ain't grease. There's a difference between oil and grease. Maryland, grease is oil mixed with thickener and other additives. And could it be that today's church's problem is the fact that we keep adding additives? We keep trying to mix in thickener. We keep trying to mix in C.C. Winans and Cardi B. We, we, we keep trying to allow city girl mentality to rock out on praise. Oh my Lord. We keep mixing in things when it is that the Lord says be ye holy. For, oh, that's a cuss word in churches today. Be ye holy. For I, the Lord, your God is holy. I found out that grease is good to help control leakage, but oil is better for preserving life. Whereas grease clogs, oil flows. Somebody just tell, alert your row and tell them this is the oily section. Come on, tell somebody around, tell them this is the oily section. Oh, yeah, we're going to see in a minute. Understand that this widow did some strange things 
that brought about a change. She did some strange things, Mother Barry. She did some strange things. First thing that she did that was strange, there's three things she did. First thing that she did that was strange, Edie. First thing that, was, that took place that was strange. It was strange that Elijah told her after he had been told what her situation was. It was strange that Elisha told her to go borrow as many vessels as she could. Elisha didn't say go pray about it. He didn't cut up no prayer cloths. He didn't go and tell her to go on a fast. He said, go borrow. You ain't got no money, but go borrow. Y'all missed it. He, 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 anybody ever? Oh, praise God. I'm not going. I'm running out of time. He said, go borrow as many vessels as you could get. That was the first strange thing. But then the second strange thing that took place, Mama Rita, is that the widow did what she was told. <laughs> because to the average listener, those instructions might have caused a clapback. What you mean go and, if she, especially if she was one of us, what you mean go and get, borrow some vessels? They ain't going to give me nothing. You, you understand how we get prayed. Maybe not you, but your cousin. You know, she did what she was told. It might have caused a clap back for you and I, but how many understand that desperate times call for desperate measures? And she did what he said. Understand that sometimes the instruction, sometimes the prescription seemed crazy. And it may seem crazy, but follow the instructions. Tell somebody, follow the instructions. He, he told her to borrow the vessels, and then she did what she was told. But thirdly, she shut the door. He said, you and your sons get in the house and shut the door behind you. Can I tell you something right quick? After you obey, after you obey God, sometimes you need to go and shut the door. For that which God is about to do in you, you may need to shut the door. You might need to shut the door so that you don't get distracted by what's happening outside. Uh-huh. Understand, you might miss something big that's about to happen inside. It seems like, parenthetically, seems like I remember a bald preacher talking about something big around him. You may know him. Tell him something big is about to happen. Could it be that we've been closer than we realize to something big, but our focus has been elsewhere, causing us to miss it? So sometimes you may need to shut the door. Somebody holler, shut the door. You may need to shut the door so that folks can't go and contaminate what you're working on. You may need to shut the door, Sandra, so that haters can't speculate on what you're working on. You may need to shut the door because you may need to keep folks from peeking in too soon on what God is doing in your life until it's time. Because I've come to understand, Greta, everybody ain't excited about what God is doing for you. Everybody ain't happy about God raising you up. Some folks like keeping you beneath them because as long as you beneath them, they feel better about themselves. But that devil is a liar. That's why you need to shut the door. Sometimes you need to turn Facebook off. Sometimes you need to turn social media off so I can go and focus on what God. Somebody say shut the door. I'm about done with it, Kirk, now because now I came to let somebody know after she shut the door, the Bible recorded that she began to fill the vessels. 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 He told her, go and borrow as many as you can. Don't just borrow a few, but fill 
the vessels. He said, get as many vessels as you can get and then fill the vessels. And so she began to fill the vessels. As one came, she filled the vessel. They brought another vessel. She filled that vessel. They brought more vessels. And each vessel that was brought one after one, that vessel was filled. All from that little flask. Y'all missing <laughs> As many vessels that were available, that's how many that were filled. All from that flask. Y'all missing what I'm telling you. You're missing a shout right now. As many vessels that were available. Somebody say available. As many vessels that were available. Those are as many that were filled. All from that little flask. And today I came from Murfreesboro to declare that if empty vessels arrive, they will be filled before they depart. Oh, y'all don't like prophecy. I said when empty vessels, when available vessels show up, they will be filled before. I wonder if there's any vessels that's available today. Somebody just lift up your hand and say, Lord, I'm available. I know your mask is muzzling you, but I dare you to use your outside voice and say, Lord, I'm available. I came to declare when empty vessels arrive, they will be filled before they depart. Understand that filled vessels are valuable. Filled vessels have purpose. And so understand this. It was a miracle that those vessels were filled from that little flask. Mama, I don't want to bore the saints, but it was a miracle that that, that little flask was able to fill all of those available vessels. Here's where things get interesting. Because, Kirk, when it was announced that there were no more vessels, the oil stopped flowing. Mama Rita, I know you love me. When it was announced that there were no more vessels, the oil stopped flowing. Why is that significant, Mama Bertley? Because generally, the oil stops flowing, then the vessels stop coming. When the oil stops, the vessels stop showing up. But Marilyn, in this case, it was the other way around. When the vessels stop showing up, the oil, oh y'all, oh my God. When the vessels said that I can't take no more, that's when the oil stopped flowing. And in essence, as long as there are available vessels, the oil will never stop flowing. God says today to someone, you'll run out before I do. However, I'm not going to waste my oil. And so if there's no available container, ain't no need for no pouring. Understand for someone that's saying, Lord, fill me up. God says, make yourself available first. This can't just be a sound bite that you heard somebody say at church, but it's got to be a lifestyle. Lord, here I am. Use me for your glory. Here I am. I'm available to you. My will I give to. I'll do what you say. Somebody say, I'm available. Uh, Every vessel was filled. And when she ran out, God wrapped up. That was the miracle. But I'm about to get ready and leave you, Mother Rita. Mama Rita, that was the miracle. But here's the bonus. Because after she had filled each one of those vessels, after the oil had stopped, the Bible records she went and reported to the man of God what had taken place. She went and reported the miracle. He said, good job. He said, go take the oil and pay the debts. 
then you and your son live on what's left. The bonus is that after you go and handle your business, go and live on what's left. Look at somebody and tell them, live on what's left. You got to take care of business first, but then go and live on what's next. In essence, Marilyn, forget T-Bone Pickens. This woman became the first biblical oil tycoon. And I came to announce to somebody today that you're about to live on what's left. For somebody that's spiritual, God says, you're about to live on your oil. God says, I've anointed you to be able to live during inflation. I've anointed you to be able to thrive and survive, even with $5 gas prices. He says, I once was young. But now I'm old, but I've never, I'm, okay, I'm sorry, I forgot, I'm in a Baptist church right now, y'all about to get me Baptist, uh, listen, understand, I came to tell somebody, miracles happen when you do something strange for change. I see some folks still caught up on the phrase and you think I'm still talking about dropping it. You're still thinking I'm talking about money, but I'm talking about the change that the money produced. Remember at the beginning of our story, this woman and her son, they were destitute and about to be imprisoned, but now they balling and set for life. When they did something strange, it produced a change. Uh, understand, doing something strange produces an Ephesians 3.20 mentality that says, now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly. See, we said wrong, Kurt. We say exceedingly abundant. That's not what the text says. It says exceeding. Stop abundantly. In essence, Marilyn, it says God says your concept of abundance, he says I can exceed that. You think you balling right now. You ain't even scratched the surface, baby. But sometimes when you do something strange. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ever ask or think according Michelle to the power somebody holler power I'm out of I'm out of Baptist church but I gotta act cogent just for a moment somebody holler power according to the power that works within you all the folks that's listening right now if you have no power then I'm not talking to you if you have no power that works then sit down if you have power that's only manufactured from what you saw on a YouTube clip then this ain't for you but I'm talking about somebody that's got power somebody holler I got power uh, Elder Curry last year Zion Temple we put about $50,000 into remodeling the sanctuary over at Zion Temple Church of God in Christ. This renovation was a leap of faith because the, our church is not full of ballers, not full of CEOs, not yet, not full of persons that are making seven-figure salaries. But we had to go and make that leap of faith. And as we leapt, understand that God will never allow you to outdo him. And we took that leap of faith because we have power. We've had that leap of faith because we have power that works. We have power that works authentically within us. But more importantly, we found ourselves experiencing God's goodness because we did something strange. Uh, how are you going to go? Oh, my God. Uh, anybody know about doing something strange? When folks say, how are you going back to school with all them kids? How are you going to start a business and you ain't got no money? Somebody say, I'm doing something strange. Uh, 
understand we, we we're doing something strange like trusting God and expecting change but Job said all my appointed time I'm going to wait until my change comes understand that some of you, you you know about doing something strange for change no you didn't enter no twerk contest no you didn't do nothing obscene but you know about doing something strange for change Sam Cook told us about 60 years ago that change is going to come can I tell you something about change change can be unpopular change can be lonely and change can get you killed uh -huh. change can be unpopular change can be lonely and change can get you killed but Elder Kurt, I came to tell somebody, be leery of those persons who refuse change. I heard someone say that nothing is constant except change. Change can be scary because of its unknown variables. Change can be seen as a threat. But change indicates that there's greater waiting for me. I came to let somebody know that there's greater waiting for you. That must not have been for nobody. For somebody that's watching by internet, there's change waiting for you. Understand that cell phones and the internet has changed the game from when I was a high school senior. But understand change was waiting. Understand that when there's no change occurring, it indicates a readiness for death. 30 years ago, the whinings, they informed us. They said, it's time. They said, it's time to make a change. And they informed us, Greta. They said, we are the people who could do it. Uh -huh. Understand that sounds of blackness. They said, hold on. Change is coming. And today, I came to refute that, Edie. I came to announce, Danielle, that change is no longer coming. But change is here. I came to tell somebody that change is here. Mother Burtley, I didn't say perfection was here, but change is here. Someone might ask me right quick, how do I know that change is here, Kirk? And my response would be, I know that change is here because change is me. If my ancestors were able to take a microphone, they would go and tell you, I, I know I've been changed. I wonder if there's anybody that's got a testimony. Forget, forget what you saw on Facebook. Forget what they talked about over in the corner. But you can say, I, I know I've been changed. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to take this on the road. See, that's the beauty of my narrative. That I'm, I'm not where I want to be just yet. But I'm so glad that I'm not who I used to be. Because once upon a time, I'd light you up. But I know once upon a time, Dre, I would cuss you out for fun. But I, I know. Oh, I wish I had some real individuals in the folks that used to keep a switchblade on you. Folks that carry a gat on you today. Folks that's waiting to throw hands instead of lifting hands. You can say, I know I've been changed. Paul said, I, I, he says, when I was a child, I acted like a child. I thought like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. I wonder if there's any people in the room that can say, I know I've been changed. Look at two, three of people around you and say, I know I've been changed. Come on, use your outside voice and say, I know I've been changed. Come on, tell them, I know I've been changed. Seem like somebody be excited about that right now. 
I ain't got to worry about pregnancy tests. I ain't got to worry about that rash no more. Somebody say, I know I've been. I know I've been changed. That's how I can say that change is here because change is me and understand that this change, it didn't just happen, but I did something strange for this change right here. <laughs> this change right here happened because I did something strange. I learned how to say no to wrong things and learn how to say yes to the right things. I did something strange. I learned how to shut up and not have to have the last word. I did something strange. I gave someone their husband back. I gave someone their wife back. I did something strange. I learned how to apologize even when I wasn't wrong. I did something strange. I learned how to keep tithing even after I got laid off. I went back to school after dropping off. I yielded to the will of the Lord. I consecrated myself. I did something strange, Mama Burley. I dedicated myself. I did something strange. I said, yes, Lord. I wonder if there's any yes, Lord, saints. I may not like it all the time, but yes, Lord, to your will and to your way. Somebody shout, yes, Lord. I'm sorry for being cogent, but somebody holler, yes, Lord. Yes, in the morning. Yes, in the noonday. Yes, in the evening. Yes, in my life. Yes, when I want to do it. Yes, when I don't want to do it. Yes, when I understand. Yes, when I don't understand. Yes, when they love me. Yes, when they walk away. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Doing something strange. Like saying, yes, Lord. Do something strange. Say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. For a wonderful change. A wonderful change. Any changed individuals. Don't fool me now. Any changed individuals. You know you change. You know you're different. You know you're better. You know you're balling. You know God has done it. You know God is working. You know God has healed you. You know God's delivered. You know God's set free. You know God has made ways. You know God's opened doors. You know God's ordered steps. You know God ordered stops. Somebody say, yeah.